Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Techspansive. This is Sean Dubervac with Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin with Reticle Research. We thought we would kick things off today talking about Amazon's acquisition of Eero. To give you a little bit of uh, background on what happened here, Amazon, of course, purchased Eero, which really set um, out and, and really developed this mesh networking environment, driving it into to Wi-Fi. And then, uh, of course, following that, we kind of saw an explosion of others into that market. Uh, companies like Google and and. Um, others jumped in there as well. All, all, doing all of the uh, all of the established guys, Linksys, right. Netgear. So, yeah, and and Eero is really one of the first to do that. Also, one of the first to introduce a subscription service, and starting to develop Wi-Fi as a as a service, if you will, with uh, offering additional security and some other things like that. And so, this was a pretty big news from the week as Amazon acquired uh, that product. Some uh, thoughts on that, Ross? Well, clearly it's an extension of the activity that they have been engaging in in the home. The Alexa is a network device. And for some time now, people have been talking about how that speaker may go away, uh, particularly as the functionality gets integrated into so many other devices around the home, which of course is something that Amazon is pushing hard for. Uh, And so maybe the idea of this Echo speaker goes away. And Eero, uh, first of all, you want to have good quality Wi-Fi in in such an environment. And so a mesh uh, environment like the kind Eero provides is, uh, is, is a good option for that. Uh, it also brings Amazon into a new category and uh, you know gives them something else to feature in their in their daily deals. But I, I think the real upside for them is the idea that they can build microphones into these nodes, into these uh, mesh access points, and now anywhere in the home you can blurt out a, a request to uh, to Alexa, uh, and it will you know, will uh, act on it without your having to buy a separate uh, Echo speaker. Yeah, definitely this could be the future of Alexa is that you just build it right into these nodes of, of the mesh network and that becomes the, you know, the future of 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 uh, voice in the home. I, uh, I mean, clearly they position it as a move into and a de- stronger development in that smart home area. So kind of continuing to build out that ecosystem of, of smart ho- home experiences. And you, you see that Eero's enabled with, with Thread. Well, Thread hasn't really caught mm-hmm. on in the smart home. Uh, that's really what it's it's built for, is to optimize smart home products and devices and, and smart home features. <sighs> So Thread, uh, you know, just for folks who aren't familiar with it, it's a very low power uh, Internet of Things type protocol, Wi-Fi variant, uh, one of several actually that that have been proposed. And uh, it actually started with Nest, 
uh, mm -hmm. which yep. um, is, is now being integrated into Google. And of course, uh, one of Amazon's uh, main rivals. So we'll see to what extent <laughs> that uh, that thread support uh, continues in the future. Also, Samsung, I believe, is a, is a big backer uh, of it. So to the extent that uh, Amazon wants to play nice, uh, this, uh, this gives them a, a tool to do so. But you know, what I find interesting is that, so here's Amazon buying into the space. Uh, Google has Google Wi-Fi, which has been praised as uh, one of, if not the best values in mesh networking. So it's one of the least expensive options, but the performance, while maybe not at the, at the top of the heap, uh, is, is quite good. And Apple, which had been in home networking with uh, the airport line for many, many years, got out uh, a couple of years ago. And I, when they did that, I, I questioned kind of the timing of it. it. It happened, I think, actually either just before or around the time that Google uh, entered uh, Wi-Fi with the, um, uh, before they had their own product, the, the one that they, collaborated on with Asus, uh, I think it was called uh, the, I've, the Google Hub or something like that. No, that's, uh, they, they had this program, like the Nexus mm -hmm. program for, yeah. for Wi-Fi uh, routers. And, and uh, this product was about the only thing that ever came out of it. But, but it was a start, uh, and it was clear that the reason they wanted to get into this was for many of the same reasons, um, to uh, have a presence in the home, something that was always on, something necessary for the infrastructure. Uh, even though a lot of people just take whatever Wi-Fi router their cable company gives them and don't give it a second thought, uh, particularly if you want faster speeds, better performance, you're, you're going to want to look into one of these mesh options. Well, and that's the interesting thing is that at the same time you have Amazon buying this company, you do see internet providers increasingly offering Wi-Fi systems as, as part of the bundle, building it into the broadband service that they're offering. And so at the same time, you're you're seeing Amazon push in this direction. You're seeing some of the some of the network operators and, and broadband service providers move away from uh, perhaps needing a a, a router, un unless obviously you've got a big home where you need access throughout the home, uh, and then you might want to overlay a mesh network on top of this. I think I think it also provides another option where maybe you don't necessarily want to have an echo speaker listening actively to what you're saying, but you still want something in the home, uh, something akin to the Samsung SmartThings hub, right? You want something plugged in that can execute commands. So I think uh, for Apple, it, it has become, you know, since they got out of the networking space, it's basically become Apple TV. You, you've got something connected to the network that, or, or uh, home, uh, or, or the speaker, the HomePod, right? You've, you've got something in the home, always plugged in, always connected to the network, so that if you want to, uh, say, have a timed command to unlock your door mm -hmm. when, uh, you know, your kid gets home or something, uh, this thing can do that for you while you are away and not actively doing things. Um, and 
of course, you could see why that would have a huge amount of interest to Amazon, given its key program and the idea that you know it wants to be able to let people and other parties in and out of your home uh, for any number of reasons. Uh, yeah, well, and you do. I mean, you do see them really pushing the idea of routines where you have one one thing, one activity trigger a bunch of other things. And so being able to control that uh, in a, in a Wi-Fi-like environment uh, could be beneficial to, to users. And so, you know, with this, I mean, you could easily imagine this being integrated into something like Prime. I mean, part of the Eero mm-hmm. model is this monthly subscription service. Um, Amazon, obviously, it, it builds a lot of different services off of uh, Prime. You've got Prime, you know, in anywhere from 40 to 60 percent of, of households today. And so you could you could imagine that this could potentially be built into Prime and then it opens up new, you know, new services. And I, I do feel like security becomes a, a key component of this. One of the, the benefits of Eero is that it essentially fingerprints the devices on the network and can can tell when devices are not behaving as they should and, and can kind of provide users with you know security reports. Hmm. Uh, it definitely with households with kids where you want to kind of control access to different devices at different times, then that this becomes a a service offering as well. So you might and, be able to control access through Prime. And we know that consumers have a, a high degree of trust uh, in, in Amazon, uh, certainly compared to some of the ecosystem rivals, um, given their, their privacy, given privacy woes of those other companies uh, over the past couple of years. So uh, here's an opportunity for Amazon to capitalize on that trust uh, and to enhance it, I think, by offering a, a, measure, of, a measure of safety, um, digital safety. And, and they're also trying to offer, and highly complementary to the physical security that they're looking to offer with uh, Ring, um, and uh, Blink, uh, the the other camera company uh, that they've uh, that they've purchased. Yeah, so it'd be really interesting to see how they integrate this into some of the other offerings that they have. I mean, right now uh, they've made assurances that they'll continue to operate Eero as they have, but inevitably, certainly, uh, it it'll be integrated into other things. It'll be interesting to see how that happens. Mm-hmm. So moving on to uh, the next story, we thought we'd talk about big news coming out of Apple this week, planning to hold an event on March 25th to announce new services, including streaming services uh, for video, subscription news services. Some of the early reports coming out of uh, BuzzFeed and Bloomberg suggest that uh, Apple would like to keep 50% of the, the revenue from these subscription services and so uh, there's at least an initial feel that the the major publications probably won't buy into these services so you won't have netflix in the video subscription 
piece of their business. You won't have the the Wall Street Junior uh, Wall Street Journals or or New York Times. You also won't have the Wall Street Juniors uh, <laughs> as, as part the, of their the uh, the the, uh, the financial newspaper for for grade school. Yeah, kids, for yeah, K, K through twelve. Right. Uh, so um, you know, it's it's an interesting. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of this announcement because clearly services have become a key component of of Apple's business. And you can argue how long that's been a key component in their, obviously in their most recent uh, uh, quarterly announcements, which we discussed for, for Q1, they um, uh, for the first time talked about their service business. It's up 20%, almost 19% year over year. It's about 13% of overall, uh, uh, you know, income and it's uh so it's growing quickly it's becoming a bigger part of share and it has huge margins 63 percent margins on service so it's clearly an extremely profitable piece of the business so you know when i saw that 50 percent requirement it didn't it didn't surprise me because they're going to need to be in service businesses with really high margins in order to keep service margins anywhere close to where they are today but the, and and Sean, I, you've done a tremendous job uh, talking about Apple's future and services and uh, some of the opportunities that they face there uh, and and challenges as well. I mean, I think one of the challenges is that in hardware and software, they have been uh, a great innovator. Uh, just about anyone I think would would agree or at least uh, could defend uh, and um, the 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 issue with the services is that I haven't seen anything from them that is particularly differentiated from you know c- competitors uh, in in any of these spaces with perhaps the exception of services that with, with two exceptions one integration into the os so that if you're an apple music subscriber you can say you know play me uh uh the latest uh, cardi b track and it will do that through apple music uh whereas on say google assistant if you are a Spotify subscriber, but not a Google Play Music subscriber, and you make the same request, it will say now playing, you know, Cardi B's new single from Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll even even throw them a, a little branding bone there. So, uh, and and it gets really interesting as Apple opens up its skills. As Siri opens up Siri to to the applications, maybe they keep some things uh, to themselves. Uh, certainly, uh, would would not be the first time. But, but, uh, but, yeah. The the problem with the the news publishing is, and you know, we've had uh, major content providers hold off uh, when they have launched things in the past. Uh, for example, video services or movie purchases. Uh, the um, uh, the thing is that they have to have reasonably consistent price structures across different kinds of media when it comes to revenue share. Uh, and, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how they price these different services. But the, the reality is, is that the, you know, the, the, the media business, the print media business is just struggling a lot more than some of these other uh, 
businesses. So, you know, it's one thing to say, uh, well, 50% looks pretty good. Come, um, uh, well, well, 50%, you know, do, see, just seems very aggressive compared to say the, the app uh, revenue split or, you know, probably what, uh, you know, the, what the, what the music split is with, with the studios. So uh, I, I think it's going to be tough for them to uh, t- tough for media companies to sustain that. Yeah. I, and I think perhaps the, the sales proposition from Apple is that we have a new audience for you to reach. So these, uh, you know, you can, you can keep 75% of nothing, or you can have 50% of this $10 a month subscription that, that we think we can drive new users to, to your content. And Apple in their most recent, uh, you know, financial filings noted that they now have 85 million monthly active users for Apple News. Mm. I'm sure right. that was included in, <laughs> uh, with intent in advance of you know the, the announcement that will come here next month. Um, and so I think that's the only scenario that would make sense, that we're going to keep a big chunk of this margin because these are uh, our customers that we're we're bringing to you and, and right. you're not able to, to monetize them any other way. And, and of course, consistent with uh, many other Apple programs, uh, again, such as the App Store, Apple will own that customer relationship. And so the media companies will have very little idea of who is uh, subscribing to them. They'll, you know, they'll just get a check. Right. Well, and, and the other piece, I think the other big selling position and selling proposition for Apple is, hey, installed base of 1.4 billion active devices, right? So we're going to take your content, we're going to put it across a billion plus devices to almost 100 million people. And so, uh, yeah, you're, you know, you're not going to know a lot about them, but this is an, an audience that, that you're not reaching today. And so... You know, we'll see. And, you know, I saw some other interesting stats coming from a report that that TechCrunch covered that suggested iPhone users in the U.S. spent almost $80 last year. Hmm. Um, That came from App Analytics Specialist Sensor Tower. I found that to be just a a huge number. I mean, I I have a hard time. I'm an iPhone user. I definitely didn't spend $80 last year on uh, on, on apps, unless you're including things like Spotify and others that aren't necessarily going through uh, through the App Store, but that's that's right. a tremendous number, and it continues to grow. I mean, according to their account in 2015, it was thirty-three dollars. So if that's anywhere close to right, and certainly if it's directionally correct, which it which it very well could be, the appetite to spend on these devices is extremely strong, and so that's also a, a strong sales story for the for the content companies you know it, it probably represents a, a maturity at the high end of of the market um where there we've seen increasing saturation uh and uh as over the years customers in that bracket have become more comfortable with and more accustomed to uh, using their phone as their primary device, uh, then Apple's in a better position to to capitalize on that. Uh, but 
in terms of the exposure argument, I completely buy that. If you are a long tail media uh, property, and uh, that's how it often works with these uh, kinds of services, it's the the companies that have the least to lose or the, the most to gain, you know, that mm-hmm. that sign up first, uh, and those tend to be long tails. Uh, but um, but but what we're seeing happening in the market now is that Apple is uh, having a harder time penetrating the growing market, you know, a lot of which is happening in developing economies. So, so yes, they certainly have a huge installed base. The argument boils down to if, if you are a major media property, you know, if you are an Apple's core demographic, have you not heard of Forbes? Or, or Bloomberg, or, or Car and Driver, uh, or, you know, is, is the presentation, is the convenience of it uh, mm-hmm. going to open your eyes in a way that, uh, that it has not before? Well, and, you, and look, you see people buying, Spotify's $10 a month, but if you buy it through Apple, through the App Store, and you do the subscription through Apple, then there's a 30% premium on that, right? So they're charging yeah. you $12.99 a month and people still do that. So they're, yeah. they, and I'm sure that is the type of evidence, the type of data that you're going to present to uh, to subscribers to say, yes, we know they could go direct to you, but A, they're not going to direct and B, look at all these users that we have, tens of millions of users right. that are, buying us paying more for a subscription because it's convenient in the way that we offer path of least resistance. Yeah. Right. And, and I guess if, if you are a media, if you're a print media company, uh, it feels a little weird to say, (laughs) yeah, particularly so many of these guys are scrambling to expand into video and, uh, other media, but, um, chances are, I, I, you know, chances are that, uh, Apple is not going to uh, compete uh, with you the way uh, they compete with Spotify, or that they they may start to compete with with Netflix, um, kind of a, as a as an aggregation point. Uh, so there there is really nothing else on on the platform. Um, so that you know that's the kind of the other uh, argument I wanted to make about differentiation is that they bought texture which was this uh, all-you-can-eat uh, magazine subscription service. And uh, there's really nothing else like it out there. There's Zinio, which sells um, uh, a la carte uh, magazines, you know, kind of like your – the difference is it's the difference between kind of home delivery, a subscription, and buying it at the newsstand, right? So Zinio is mm-hmm. kind of the newsstand experience, uh, and Texture is the uh, – is the uh, all-you-can-eat uh, experience. So uh, clearly for Apple, it's not only about this. the media. I guess the other value add is one source uh, for all of your mm-hmm. content services, right? So yeah. one bill where you're getting your music, your movies, your, your media, your games, uh, and you know who knows what what else they will launch in the near future. Yeah, and well, and this is just the start too. I right. Mean, I, I, we've talked about it in the past, but 
if you look at margins at 63% on services, you're going to have to go into very rich margin businesses. Healthcare is is one that I think mm -hmm. could make a lot of sense for them. And this week, they also announced that they partnered with the U.S. Department of Veterans and will mm -hmm. let veterans access their digital health records through iPhone's health app. So they're starting to open up the the platform as the one-stop shop for all of your information. And if they can right. deliver it in a, a seamless way, then consumers might, you know, might eventually rotate some of their, some of their listening to the, to that, uh, that device. Um, so with that, maybe we'll move to our third story, Amazon pulling out of your backyard, backyard. there, Ross. So I'm yeah. sure that Ouch. you have been, been paying attention to this, uh, hopefully you didn't uh, double down on real estate and buy any, yeah, anything else I, in the park. I was, uh, I was looking at Zillow, and you, you could see the uh, the numbers uh, falling as, uh, as the announcement. <laughs> yeah. uh, this, uh, you know, it's been really fascinating to watch. Um, I think that uh, there was a good article in uh, in Bloomberg, basically, uh, which did a good job of um, <laughs> spreading, you know, spreading the blame uh, around. And uh, uh, you know, on one hand, uh, as uh, Mayor De Blasio kind of said, you know, sometimes it's a little tough to do business in New York. Uh, and um, uh, from Amazon's perspective, you would have thought, given the amount of planning uh, that it had uh, done prior to uh, making its its decisions on on where to go that they would have understood that there would have been some uh, local resistance uh, some of it may have been just kind of a a sign of the political times with uh, a, a lot of uh, anti-corporate uh, sentiment uh, given the um, you know the the political climate of of the district that's uh, represented by uh, Representative AOC 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 Ocasio Cortez. There we go. Yeah, uh, I didn't have to look that up. Uh, and uh, the uh, you know there 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 are other things, uh, other factors. Some. New York City uh, specific factors such as uh, you know the the strength of uh, of organized uh, labor uh, mm -hmm. in, in the city, uh, which as I mentioned on a previous podcast has been one of the reasons that uh, Walmart uh, has no presence within uh, New York City's borders, uh, and uh, similarly the the competition uh, with uh, with local businesses. You know, New York, of course, a very dense. Uh, commercial uh, district with, with lots of you know, local businesses that have uh, uh, certainly have uh, struggled to compete with, uh, with Amazon. Uh, and, uh, you know, from Amazon's perspective, uh, they, uh, I, I, I think it, you know, after two years where it was, it was just fascinating to see the degree to which uh, different uh, municipalities and counties uh, gave these outpouring, you know, gave gave these uh, uh, presentations, these these media rich, uh, uh, you know, imploring uh, Amazon to come, and, and you know that I I have to think 
goes to your head a little bit, you know, that here's uh, your your corporate head, I guess, you know, uh, your corporate consciousness that, you know, here are all these uh, towns around the, the country begging you to to invest in, in their economy. And then you come to New York and, you know, some uh, local and state politicians are, are and, you know, some grassroots uh, citizen organizations uh, are protesting, you know, and or begging you to negotiate, you know, or uh, imploring you to negotiate, demanding that you negotiate the terms. Um, so, uh, you know, as we saw with uh, Mr. Uh, Bezos and, uh, and the, his incident with the National Enquirer, uh, he's not a guy who's uh, afraid of confrontation. You know, right. he's, uh, he's going to pack up and go. You know, he's not, uh, not going to be shy about taking decisive action. So, so that's what happened here. And uh, I, uh, I think it's kind of a shame. I, I think it's a, uh, it's a lose-lose. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, the, I think where I, obviously New York City will uh, survive, uh, the question becomes, you know, how much of this was tied to Amazon and the timing of Bezos, uh, you know, becoming the world's, uh, you know, richest individual, uh, and how much of it is going to be in the minds of other businesses that may uh, look to develop where Amazon was going to uh, to develop, or or just in New York City in general? Because as we discussed on the podcast, you know, while all of this high profile stuff was happening with uh, with Amazon, Google you know, essentially doubled its investment yeah. in, uh, in its New York City uh, presence, albeit without the uh, the incentives, you know, or, or at least as, as high a degree of incentives that, that Amazon was able to negotiate. But, uh, you know, it's different. I mean, Google already had a presence here. Google is a major uh, advertising powerhouse, you know, and New York is, is an big advertising, you know, uh, center, right? A big media center. So, you know, it's a little different than, than Amazon. And I did see one take that, uh, said it's, it's kind of a blow for the city because it would have, um, provided an alternative. And I think about, you know, what New York is building at, uh, with Cornell tech, the, uh, uh, you know, in part, um, a joint venture that in, that includes my uh, my alma mater, you know, building this this engineering uh, mm-hmm. and computer science uh, center uh, on uh, Roosevelt Island, which is which is right off uh, Manhattan, uh, and and this Amazon building would have been literally right across the river in in Western Queens. Uh, so you know that seems like that would have been a a great match and provided an alternative for those graduates uh, who today. Probably, really, their best opportunity is the uh, is the is the financial sector, right? Those guys are doing a lot of analytics, a lot of yeah. advanced, uh, you know, data science, um, and uh, offering top dollar uh, to those graduates, of course. Uh, and to have uh, you know Amazon there would would have provided uh, you know some nice alternatives to that. So yeah, definitely, and I I think uh, I you know I think some of this is driven by the fact that it was called a headquarters so mm. uh, as opposed to google's move where they're just doubling down on their workforce a- and being here in washington dc politicians think uh, in terms of headquarters 
right? They mm. they love to be able to uh, tout that this company or that company is headquartered in their district. Interesting. Pol- politi- and politicians never hate companies that are headquartered in their districts, <laughs> right? So uh, I I still think that a lot so wait, of this- I'm, I'm sorry, Sean. I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you, do you mean uh, like legislators or do you mean like DC local people? No, no. I mean, like, like legislators. Like, legislators I think this, I yeah, like it. your your senators and your representatives. And I think this was always a political move where you call it a headquarters, mm-hmm. and and Amazon is leveraging the perception of uh, of elected officials with a company headquartered in their jurisdiction. And so, uh, even you look at what what is the remaining HQ two here in Virginia. It is building some facilities right across the river in Maryland. So by doing so, it it takes one, what is essentially one headquarters, and it captures four senators, two representatives. And so it had it been able to have a, a second headquarters in a uh, you know, in New York, a second HQ2 in New York, then and together with Washington, you've got six or eight senators on its side because they all represent Amazon's headquarters, you know, and then you've got uh, many representatives that that represent headquarters for Amazon, you know, and, right. and so you even saw in some of their announcements, hey, we're pulling out of New York and we're going to increase our investment in uh, Virginia. We're going to focus right. on our investment in Virginia and Nashville. And so they included like that Nashville piece into it as well to kind of say, uh, you, you know, I feel like this was was in part to get in front of so much of what's happening in Washington around, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wanting to to really step in and and put some boundaries around these big companies. And you even saw it this week with with some news that Facebook was negotiating with the FTC around what will will potentially a be big, a big very fine. Yeah. a big fine. And what's yeah. even more important around that is what parameters come with that fine. So it's not just the money. It's never about the money. Uh, these companies can pay the dollars. It's what else comes with that fine. Right. What right. other rules are, and restrictions are going to be put in place? And so, um, you know, I think this, this was a, a little bit uh, around how can we take advantage of, of the way politicians think about their jurisdiction and their districts and have a stronger presence in in uh, Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. by by building out infrastructure that we need, anyways. I, I think Amazon will still have a presence in New York. To your point, they want to attract those same data scientists that the financial firms are are attracting, and they want to offer an alternative to financial engineering for those. and And so I think right. that New York still makes a, a lot of sense for them in some of the ways that it makes sense for Google and others. Right. I mean, and uh, again, as I said, uh, some of it may have just boiled down to timing. Uh, some of it was was just the the terms of the deal. So, sure, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they came back, but but probably not at at the scale that they were thinking. Yeah, and I'm sure that Walmart, to your point earlier, sent them a condolence letter. No, <laughs> Walmart has been I've fighting been that battle yeah. for a long time. Yeah, we, so. we, we've been there, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I refer to it uh, on Twitter as uh, you know the Jeff Be- Jeff Bezos voting leave 
on uh, on New York City as uh, as Begxit. Yes, uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's funny. Well, you know, and and you don't often see cities like essentially argue about uh, companies saying we're going to make a major investment and bring a bunch of jobs into yeah. your well. your area you know it's it's a very different world and you see that kind of broad populist movement that's grabbing hold everywhere is like uh, now we're skeptical and and hesitant to have companies come into our to our jurisdictions to I, I think even camp. even within New York uh, there's there's something about Queens you know it's it's sort of the uh, you know, ground, uh, uh, you know, first, first, the, the primary melting pot, you know, it's, it's where yeah. a lot of the immigrants come first. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that may have, uh, raised sensitivity, uh, you know, sure. maybe, you know, certainly in the area that they were going, there's been a lot of gentrification, mm-hmm. uh, occurring rents, uh, are, are going up. They're going up even without Amazon being there. So, uh, it's incredible the level of development that's happening in, in Long Island City right now uh, and how it's been transformed uh, over the over the past few years. So well, my one sense of the- is it's just going to continue. You know, maybe yeah. Amazon would have would have accelerated it, but it's it's, it's clearly going to happen anyway. So well, and Amazon wanted to, as part of their designs, put in a helipad and some other things. So I'm sure that wasn't very well received, right? Um, and, and those type of things. But uh, to your point, I think it does likely continue, and, and maybe Amazon even has a presence there, but not in terms of uh, something that's that's identified as a headquarters. So and and then you know maybe the politicians can save face, saying that you know we got a better deal. Yeah, uh, even, even if the even if the upside potential upside is not as high yeah. ten years from now. So yeah, I, I think you're right. Well, so in closing out, let's hit two or three topics. That yeah, we're we trying something call, new in the, yeah, in the we'll lightning try, round. We'll call it a lightning round. We'll lightning throw round. out uh, a topic and then we'll just um, kind of maybe mention one or two things quickly about it to provide context and then just a, a sentence or two about what we think. So. Uh, we'll start with some news coming out of IDC, which announced that uh, smartphones were down in the calendar fourth quarter uh, of last year in China by about 10%. Uh, Apple was down 20%. Xiaomi was down 35%. All others were down 45%. So while you had growth in uh, from, from Huawei during the quarter, uh, everybody else collectively was, was down. Um, Quick line on that, Ross. My quick take on that is that Huawei has been executing very well with its past few uh, phone models. Been very impressive, uh, and uh, despite Apple's concerns about the slowdown in China, which are directly tied to the economy, they're not doing. Uh, they're 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 not doing as rel- they're, they're doing rel- They're they're holding on relatively well. So that's my yeah. take. And my view on this is this is a major, massive uh, macro story that people aren't paying attention to. So this isn't just an Apple story. This isn't a, you know just a Xiaomi story. This is a, a macro story. China is much weaker than everybody thinks, and there are potential ramifications for that globally. Certainly for U.S. companies like Apple, but it could have a much bigger ramification. So something to watch for. The, the data out of China has always been very skeptical. And so when you have hard data like this from, from companies that are reporting, 
it's very good to uh, latch a hold of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ross, you want to kick us off with a second one? Yeah, so uh, a story on uh, Fast Company um, a couple of days ago about the the growth in cubicles uh, that are taking over the the open floor plan that has become a, a hallmark of uh, of startups. Uh, and uh, the idea is to not only provide privacy, but uh, or a little bit more privacy, but uh, but to provide flexibility. So uh, a lot of these little uh, phone <laughs> booth type uh, type cubicles uh, can be easily reconfigured. Uh, so that as staffing needs change. Uh, or teams perhaps change, uh, you can reconfigure what the floor looks like relatively uh, easily and relatively inexpensively. So uh, my take on this is that it's a, it's a positive thing. Uh, I think we've the article references how there uh, has been a lot of anxiety associated with open floor plans, and you know there the reality is that not everyone can get their. Uh, uh, own uh, spacious office, but but people need a little bit of quiet and, and a way to retreat that goes beyond just uh, putting on some very good noise canceling headphones. My take is millennials hate to talk on the phone so much that we have to build them phone booths in offices so that they can uh, talk on the phone in private because they're so they they talk on the phone so little that when they do they're so self-conscious of other people hearing that they want to retreat to another room Uh, and then uh yeah go ahead no, no, let's let's move on. It's the lightning yeah. round. So. And then may, maybe for a, th- a third and final story, we'll hit on Amazon Moments. This is a, another Amazon announcement from the week where they're allowing developers to reward customers with actual physical gifts that can be sent to them, not just uh, virtual gifts. So if you, say, subscribe to the Wall Street Journal or if you subscribe to you know the New York Times, you sign up for something – uh, historically, you were offered a virtual reward for that. Now they can also give you a, a physical reward. Obviously, Amazon taking advantage of the logistics behind that and, and working their uh, distribution magic for that. Uh, any any thoughts on the blurring that's taking place between physical and virtual there, Ross? Not necessarily. I, I, you know, as you say, I think it's uh, a perfect fit for Amazon, which is the world's store, just not here in New York City. Uh, and yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's a, a perfect tie-in for uh, their their ability to ship anything, you know, virtually anything anywhere. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's just interesting to see uh, the, those lines blur between physical and virtual and, and and trying to create a seamless experience where uh, things that exist in the digital world can spill over into the into the physical world. We've been pushing so much of physical of uh, the physical world into the digital world. Now we're starting to see some of it come back the other direction. I wonder if it'll just a quick bit of after lightning. I wonder if this will push Amazon uh, deeper into like into fulfilling kind of promotional items, right? Because you know it used to be uh, sub- subscribe to this and you'll get a free gift bag or something. So I wonder if that becomes uh, 
another direction for for Amazon. I don't, I don't think they're necessarily in that business today. So. Well, and that and that's data for them. But I I look right. at some of the you know if you look at what is a promotional item today and uh, an Echo is a you know promotional mm-hmm. item in that um, price point for sure. Right, and so I think that's where they fit naturally. It's their products, though they did announce it won't be just their products. That it also be a suite of other products and you know i think if you can you can get a customer into a sample i mean often a lot of times these are are sample products right uh, that's an area where amazon is not very they, strong they oh really i, I think it, they're look they have a lot of going on there i thought in, oh do in, they in the, yeah, in the, in the well, pre-sample program yeah yeah, so I could see. Uh, we can talk I mean, more about that later. Yeah. yeah, there are these like boxed services, and and that's what I was getting at is kind of these subscription services that that sure. others have entered that Amazon doesn't really necessarily seem to have mm. a, a strong presence in. You know, right, when you're getting right. uh, X, X of the month, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. X of the month, and th- and that seems like that would be a very natural place for Amazon to play mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and build off of the their infrastructure that already exists. Right. So, the, those so the businesses more, have been a kind of all over the place. So. Yeah, and, and the, yeah. the more data you have, the the more availability sure. you have to uh, to really customize that and have it be a successful experience. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Well, okay. with that, probably a great place to uh, wrap up. Again, I'm Sean Dubrovac, and you can find me on Twitter at Sean Dubrovac. And I'm Ross Rubin. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin. <laughs>